MSW Media. You clearly don't know who you're talking to, so let me clue you in. I am not in danger, Skyler. I am the danger. A guy opens his door and gets shot, and you think that of me? No. I am the one who knocks. Well, pour yourself a glass, sit for a spill. It's time to have some fun. Let's do a little thinking, some picking and a drinking. But this is what we're drinking with Dan Dunn. Welcome to the show, everybody. I'm Dan Dunn. Got a big one coming up today. The co-founder of Dos Hombres Mezcal. Also an actor of some note by the name of Brian Cranston. That's right, Brian Cranston. Breaking Bad played Lyndon Johnson on Broadway. He's currently starring in Your Honor on Showtime. One of the best actors we have here in these United States. And we're thrilled to have him on the show. And that is coming up in just a few minutes I uh, saw in the news the other day that Uber has reached an agreement to acquire the alcohol delivery service platform Drizzly for about a billion dollars in stock and cash. I got to tell you, it made me sad. And not just because I don't own any Drizzly or Uber stock. I got sad because it got me thinking about the gig economy, which frankly came out of nowhere. And it wasn't that long ago, and it's practically taken over the world. Let me... Let's roll it back, like 15 or 20 years or so. Now, when they came for the record stores, I said nothing, because I was too busy stealing the life work of my favorite artists. When they came for the video rental places, I said nothing, because The Sopranos was on. When they came for the bookstores, I said nothing, because if you seen internet porn? I figured back then, if I didn't start, there was no way I was going to get through all of it, and reading was just going to screw up my schedule. When they came for the electronics retailers, I said nothing, because nothing is more terrible than an electronics store. But in 2012, Drizzly launched, and they came for the liquor stores, and, well, I recall thinking that this is an aggression that will not stand. That was just a matter of time. The app-toting barbarians of Silicon Valley had successfully wrested cab-hailing, hotel booking, and music buying away from the real world. Of course they would come to take away what I saw as the last sliver of our humanity. In-person booze purchasing. They wanted to free us the burden of walking the actual, touchable, non-virtual aisles of our local quickie lickies. Before they launched, Drizzly had secured millions in funding to finance its fast-paced expansion in major cities across the country, starting in Boston and New York. All this despite the fact that its name sounds more like a symptom of an STD than an enabler for lazy drunks. Now, Drizzly might sound terrible, but it's downright Shakespearean compared to the names of the booze-on-demand apps it was competing with back then like Nestrop, which now delivers weed, I believe, Minibar, and Saucy. That's Nestrop, Minibar, and Saucy. They sound more like sections of InStyle magazine than something an adult would use to get themselves a goddamn drink. Anyone involved in these operations ever seen the bottle of a whiskey bottle or survived a weekend bender without pissing themselves? And remember, Drizzly launched in Boston and New York City. I ask you, prior to the pandemic... 
and after it's over for that matter, what legitimate reason could anyone in New York City who isn't paralyzed or agoraphobic have for using Drizzly? We're talking about a city where you can go out blindfolded, walk into any door on any block, and have at least a 50-50 chance of coming out with a six-pack. I don't recommend actually trying that, though, because, you know, there's about a 90% chance you'll be shot, robbed, or sold into indentured servitude, making iPhones for 10 cents a month. I know what you're thinking. Shut up, old man. Get with the app economy. What's so bad about a service that delivers my favorite mezcal to my door at the click of a button? First off, I'm not old. I'm a grown-up. There's a difference. The difference is that I still only need half a Viagra for a good time in Vegas. Secondly, I'm dealing with COVID just like the rest of you people. COVID's got me too. I'm in lockdown. And right now, booze on demand is a hell of an idea. It's brilliant. It's essential. I know this. So I asked myself, really, what the fuck is bothering me about this? I went back and I researched Drizzly and other on-demand booze apps, and I found a piece from about 10 years ago in the New York Post where Roddy Radnia, the then 24-year-old founder of Nestrop, said, and I quote, Our generation wants things efficiently and quickly. And he's right, but it would be a better world if he were wrong. Think about it. At the time that Post article ran, Roddy Radnia had only been of legal drinking age for three years. He hadn't had time to let the shabby majesty of a good liquor store get its hooks into him. The sublime pleasure of walking into a joint without really knowing what it is you came for and seeing all those possibilities lined up on the shelves waiting to be explored, slowly walking down the aisles, picking up bottles and admiring the contents and the shape, reading the labels even though you don't understand what half the crap that's on them, wondering if forking over serious cash for an ultra premium vodka really is worth it when you can pick up a liter and a half of Georgie or Papa for less than a 10 spot. And think of today's 24-year-olds. How many of them have ever engaged in a 30-minute conversation with an enthusiastic store clerk about the varying levels of peatiness in Isla Malts or the viability of winemaking in the American Southwest? They probably don't care to either, because going down to the liquor store takes time. So does talking to a real person in the real world. And time is a commodity the young seem intent on speeding up rather than savoring. Because the more time they save, the more they have to devote to things that really matter to them, like TikToking pictures of dog buttholes. That's what the kids are into these days, right? Look, I get that young people have as much right to spend their time not interacting with people in the real world as I do trying to score dates in the liquor section at Whole Foods. But this shift away from forging actual human ties to almost total reliance on inorganic electronic communication has happened virtually overnight. And it has been super accelerated thanks to COVID. It's fraught with all sorts of unintended consequences. Wasn't all that long ago when a world without borders or Blockbuster or Sam Goody would have been hard to imagine. But then in a flash, they were gone. And maybe that isn't so terrible in the grand scheme of things. I don't know. What I do know is that I've got a lot of great memories of hanging out in record and bookstores, of meeting people and discovering new things. I've yet to experience a single transcendent moment placing an order on Amazon. There's just something terribly desperate and sad about a guy sitting home alone ordering Bushmills using Drizzly or Saucy or Dopey or Bashful. This is a man who's voluntarily locked himself up in a cell, communicating through the slot in the door 140 characters at a time. It's only a matter of time before you show up to find he's completely lost it and has created a wall-sized self-portrait with his own feces. Oh, pity the Drizzly delivery man. Not to worry, though. As usual... I have a solution. Today I'm proud to announce a new app I'm developing. It's called Drunker. D-R-U-N-K-R. 
And like most apps, it's a shameless ripoff of something else. In this case, I stole Grindr's idea almost wholesale. Both apps' primary purpose is to help men connect with other men for real-world fun. The only difference is that with Drunker, they're meeting to polish off a bottle of Jameson instead of each other's knobs. Just log into the app to see the other schlubs near you who could use some company and what their preferred hooch is. When it finds a match, the two of you are directed to the closest liquor store where hopefully the seeds of a long-lasting, meaningful relationship will be planted as the two of you get plastered. Don't forget to bring your mask. And if it turns out you aren't a good fit, say he's a buttoned-up chin guy and you like to get crazy on the tequila, well, don't worry. There's a real easy out should things start to get awkward. Just feign discomfort and scratch at your nether regions a few times. When he asks if everything's okay, that's when you tell him that you think you've got a nasty case of drizzly. That's almost guaranteed to scare him off. And chances are, he'll leave you the bottle. All right, all right, all right. We're going to take a quick break, a very quick break, because I know everybody wants Brian Cranston, but please, I invite you just to listen to our sponsor here, and then Brian Cranston. And then after Brian Cranston, I'll tell you a little bit more about my Peloton experience. All right. Hey, this is Tiffany Thiessen, and you're listening to What We're Drinking with Dan Dunn. Friends, I want to tell you about an exciting new thing I'm doing on an app called Stereo. Stereo is the social media app for the podcasting world. This forum, what you're hearing right now, is a one-way street. I talk, you listen. When I broadcast on stereo, you get to join the conversation live by pressing a button, recording a message, and hitting send. Then me and my co-host, who usually is actor Colin Donnell, will play the message and respond to it. It's fun! And Colin and I usually do that every Thursday, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Usually, I say. But if you want to find out when for sure I'm doing things, get the app, Stereo, download it. Follow me, at Dan Dunn. That's my name. Again, Stereo app. Follow at Dan Dunn, and you'll get the updates. This is your chance to fire away with any and all questions you've been wanting to ask me. So do it. You'll be happy. Joining me now is the founder of Dos Hombres Mezcal. He also does some acting. In the biz, we call that a double threat. Please give it up for Brian Cranston. Brian. Hello, everyone. I always wonder, I, 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 for some reason, that's my intro. And I always wonder when I say that, give it up. Or are people walking their dogs around right the bus and they just start breaking into spontaneous clapping? Do you think that happens? Yeah. They, they actually have to stop, let go of the leash, clap, then pick up their duty bag again. You don't want to be rude. You know, you should clap. No, you don't. Thanks for joining us, man. I'm, I I got my special mezcal drinking shirt on. This is my mezcal drinking shirt right there, Western. That's it. That looks pretty authentic there. Thank you, thank you. I think it's a, yeah, Levi, yeah. a Levi's original. Uh, so you you got a mezcal brand, Dos Hombres, and and I I want to talk to you about it. I just poured myself some, and I and I would say this, Brian. One of the you know we can all agree, COVID is a terrible terrible thing. But we have to try to find the silver linings. If there's one silver lining for me, it's that any trepidation or embarrassment that I may have felt about drinking in the middle of the afternoon on a weekday, well, that went away months ago. So cheers, man. Let's do this. Cheers, man. To you as well. I'm having a little sip of mine. Is neat. So let's talk a little bit about your history. This brand has been around just about going on two years, right? Uh, it'll be two years in July. So if my if I have my my understanding here is correct, you you are not a big mezcal guy. This was something that that Aaron Paul suggested to you. 
I blame him for the whole thing. Yeah. Uh, we were, you know, it was about three years or so after Breaking Bad had finished production. And uh, we were lamenting about the fact that we didn't get a chance to see each other anymore. You know, it's like when you're leaving college and you think you're going to see these guys forever. Oh, we're always going to be close. And then you go on with your life and you realize, oh, it's a natural separation. Uh, but we were talking about that because for seven years on Breaking Bad, when you include the pilot, um, we, we got very close and we're still close. And this was kind of a reason to to stay close uh, uh, every day. Uh, Aaron and I talk almost every day about Dos Hombres um, and other things and our families and things. It's great. And he got me into it. We were having sushi in New York City and he said... It's too early to work together. And yeah, it's true. And and he said, you, we should go into the mezcal business. And I, I thought, you're out of your mind. Why, what, why would we do that? Now, I'm thinking back of my history. And my history with mezcal was back in high school and college, I had poor friends. I, I, I chose my friends very stupidly because I should have chose rich friends. But I guess we were all, you know, just scraping our money together and we would buy a big 12 pack or whatever of beer and we'd buy a bottle of booze and, and whatever was cheap. And it was usually mezcal. And I hated it. It smelled like cleaning fluid and it tasted the same. And, and we ended up using it like a punishment. So if someone arrived late or spilled their beer or told a stupid joke, they would have to drink the mezcal. That's and so when Aaron flash forward now th four years ago, and Aaron says we ought to uh, do the do a mezcal business, and I thought that's what I was thinking of. I said this is that's crazy. And to give but, just so everybody out there knows what Brian's talking about, you know, mezcal. So mezcal is the category. Tequila is mezcal, uh, not not vice versa, but. Tequila now mostly owned by multinational uh, corporations. Mezcal was always like the little, you know, the little stepchild in the corner. And there was a guy named Ron Cooper. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Ron. Ron is Del McGay Mezcal. And yeah. Ron was kind of the sure. guy who really brought began it saw the potential for mezcal in the united states because it, it it was all very small producers as i'm sure even to this day it's that way brian and and i thought that might be something that would be appealing to you to go down there and you, it's just little families that are that are making this and the the shit you were drinking was shit back then there was not mezcal of quality <laughs> available in the united states back then there just simply wasn't uh, true. And so Aaron and I decided, let's go down. But Aaron has a different palate than I do. He likes us. He comes from that whiskey and scotch world where he likes a nice burn. And I'm I want to be romanced. I want to be invited into my artwork, whether it's architecture or painting or dance or I want to be seduced into it. So we honestly didn't think we were going to find it. We went down to Oaxaca for a week and we tested maybe 80 or 90 samples of mezcals. And we just didn't find it. By the way, at first, we wouldn't give it the nose. If it didn't smell good, we didn't even bother tasting it. Um, and either some that were way too strong for me or too mild for him. Or it, it was one of those, um, you know, uh, uh, what is it? Little Red Riding Hood, or is, uh, well, no, not Little Red Riding Hood. Uh, 
Alan, no, what the hell's that that nursery rhyme? I, I, With, I uh, Goldilocks. Goldilocks, that's right. Goldilocks. This one's just oh right. God. Yeah, this one's just right. Senior moment. And uh, so we, we were in this little town called San Luis del Rio in Oaxaca, about three hours outside of the city. South, right? Yes. Okay, yeah. Yes. And there's only 400 people in this town, this little mountain village. They have one landline and they have no cell service at all. And we tried, we met a couple uh, maestros there because that town is all what they do. And we met Gregorio. And he became our maestro because we tasted his juice right out of the spigot. And it was unbelievable. And Aaron and I did this movie moment of looking at each other like, wait, is this it? Are we? But it was the last day. So we had to we had to really think about, are we just tr- willing it to be the thing or is it really it? Well, we took that juice back to the States and we had two separate taste tests, blind taste tests with eight different mezcals, ours included. And Aaron and I were involved in that. We didn't know which one was ours, the one we picked. We're very lucky that our friends and family who have unabashed uh, will to, to say whether they like something or not. And they all voted at the top. So we were relieved. And we really found that Dos Hombres satisfies just every every taste and every uh possible concoction that you can mix up if if you take it out our a sommelier taught me you take a dip of of whatever liquor it is put it in your palm and let the alcohol dissipate and then smell it and in ours you'll smell fruit and flowers because at in this little town there are mango trees and groves there are bananas there are flowers there are i mean it's it's really it's that was the thing I was the first thing I was going to say, Brian, when I tried it, it was, it's an extremely floral and fruity and not fruity in a, in a cloying way. It's it it's vibrant. I would say that's the word that comes to mind when I'm drinking this mezcal. And what I'm drinking right now is the Espadine. You're doing two different. So everybody knows you're listening about there. Espadine is the most widely used uh, agave for mezcal. About 90 percent of all mezcal made is is Espadine. As opposed to tequila, there's at least 20, but more around 40 species of agave that can be used. You do an espadine, which is about six years old. That's how old that pina is. You're also doing a tobola, correct? Uh, a 25 correct. year. And that's yeah. they know that's known as the king of mezcals. But this espadine that you have is so approachable. When you mentioned that you and Aaron had the different tastes, I got it immediately. You managed uh. to somehow find the balance because- yeah. Someone like Aaron who might like a, a you know a peaty scotch from Isla, and then you're saying you want something that's way smoother, way easier to get into, and you you kind of struck the proper balance with this. Well, thanks, Dan. I, I really think we did too. It's it's we were very surprised actually, and now we we feel that Dos Hombres is is the best mezcal on the market, and we're we're our goal is to make it the number one mezcal in the country. We. Like I said, we haven't been in business yet uh, for two years, and already we've cracked the top 10. Well, to that end, Brian, I wanted to ask you, you said you, July of last year, so we're coming up on two years. Obviously, the pandemic struck, uh, what, seven, eight months into it, you know, into the thing. Yeah. On this show, we've had everybody on this show, a lot of celebrity-affiliated brands. And I, I think the thing that separates them is if you're willing to go out and do the work in the community, in the bar community, and you know, as opposed to, and 
it seems by all accounts that you were ready to do that. You got to do a little bit of it in the beginning, but you haven't probably really gotten to do the tales of the cocktail, all the cocktail festivals and San Francisco World Spirits competition and things like that. But were you looking forward to doing that? Were you looking forward oh. to getting getting your feet wet in there? Well, we actually have. We uh, we did tales of the cocktail in in New Orleans uh, last year. Uh, not last year. It's two years ago when you came. Yes, yeah, that's okay. right. Yeah. yeah, it's 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 so it, it it it's the keeping track of time is so difficult right now. But we did the tales of the cocktail. It went over smashingly well. We went to Sobe down in in Miami, uh, and we're we're very active. I think I think Dan, when you find uh, celebrity driven um, spirits brands that are thriving. I think what you'll find is that the celebrity is truly behind it. Uh, it's This is not a vanity production for Aaron and I with Dos Hombres. It's not that we're slapping our names on this and, hey, good luck with it and never see it. Um, we're invested both monetarily and energy and our love for this. This is no different than us producing a movie or a TV show and and being actively involved in the marketing of it. So we're we're very very proud of it. We just won double gold in a blind test at, with Cigar and Spirits magazine. Um and and they told us no mescal has ever gotten that close. And it's like, wow, this is great. And I mean, the blind taste test is really the the proof of the pudding. You, you have, that's the only way to do it. And you guys won at San Francisco as well, right? Two years ago? We did. We won in San Francisco and New York and Berlin. And we keep collecting these things because it's it's really good. It's it's really delicious. One of the things I've found across the board, whether I mentioned Soderbergh earlier, or Christy Brinkley or Matt McConaughey, all these people, without fail, they fall in love with this business. They really do. Some of them, I think, want to do this more than they want to act. <laughs> After a while, yeah. they just like they love it, and it's 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 intoxicating. And uh, yeah. there. hey, yeah. I've been saving that one. So you, uh, I wanted to I got some. I was there's a book called The Mescal Rush. I don't know if you've ever seen it before. Uh, I Grand, have it, Granville Green. So I want to yeah. I'm going to help you out here, Brian. I want to give you a little story because I feel like you should have something to tell at cocktail parties. It's a little easily digestible nugget. Okay, the yeah. Latin name agave is derived from the ancient Greek word for noble or splendid, aguaios, and that culture's mythology provides a cautionary tale for drinkers. The daughter of the goddess Harmonia and Cadmus, the king of Thebes, I guess, was named Agave. While under a spell from Dionysius, the so-called party god, she mistook her son Pentheus for a lion and tore him apart, limb from limb, during a drunken bacchanal. She didn't recognize her mistake until she brandished his head before her father. So there's a good well, lighthearted story for a cocktail party. Boy, that's great, Dan. <laughs> yeah, Thanks for go. telling me that. <laughs> I uh, So I want to talk about the – let's go back to this mezcal. Uh, I, I, you know, I, I just got to say that I hate when that happens. It's a very human mistake, very common. Who hasn't done – who hasn't torn apart a family member? And cut the head off, yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> so there, there's a there's a group down there called Norma Nam. It's the uh, they set the standards for mezcal production. I'm sure you're very familiar with it. And there are basically two types of of mezcal. The type one is 100 percent agave plant sugars. It's distilled from type two as a minimum of 80 percent. This yours is the type one, right? This is 100 percent distilled from from agave. Correct. It's completely correct. There are two ingredients in our mezcal. It is smoked agave and and mountain spring water. Beautiful. And they're doing it the old school way with the Tejona wheel, a big giant stone yeah. wheel that crushes the agave. It's a it's well, been yeah. In our uh, on our label are the two donkeys and the, the donkeys uh, as you know uh, are an integral part of the process of making old world mezcal. Um, and talk about Old World Mezcal, our Palenque, which is our processing plant. And when I say processing plant, it, you, you well know, this is very rural. There is no electricity at this place. There is no running water at this place. This, this is a very rural environment. But you don't need that in the process. Of it. You smoke the agave in those earthen pits, then take the chunks of, mag- of agave into the tojonas. There, that the maguey is, is smashed by the stone wheel, and then it goes into the oak barrels for fermentation. And, and then after like 10 days in the oak barrels fermenting, then it goes into the copper stills for distillation. And it's so pure. It's, so, it's such a beautiful, and it's, I mean, there's, there's no additives. It's uh, gluten-free. It's about 70 calories per ounce when you make it in a cocktail or in a one finger and and so it's it's a it's just a beautiful thing to do and and i i never get a headache on on dos hombres when i drink it no it's it's because you haven't hung out with me yet brian that's there we go i feel like you've just thrown down the gauntlet my friend (laughs) i want to name a couple of your uh characters but just a couple iconic characters that you have played. I, I joked about you obviously you've you've played some amazing character you've won emmy award tony awards i'm gonna throw out the character and you just tell me what you think that character's go-to drink would be, okay? What they, what what would they drink? You ready for this? Okay. Hal from Malcolm in the Middle. He would drink a uh, he he would drink a, a champagne cocktail uh, because that's what his wife would be drinking. Okay. <laughs> this is an easy and one. Have to sneak a beer. Lyndon Johnson. Well, he's a Cuddy man. Cuddy Sark, that's that, correct. That we know. He, he's, he's, he, the, it's a, that's, you know, that's, that was his brand. He, he was true to that. And, uh, yeah. In a styrofoam cup, right? Yeah. And that, wasn't he, that he, how the story yeah, went? He would, he would drive around yeah. the ranch in a styrofoam cup and the Secret Service was trailing him and would have the bottle of Cuddy pull up next to him, yeah. refill and him. Pour, pour. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. What about, uh, Dr. Tim Watley, Seinfeld? Well, Dr. Tim Watley would probably do like a, he'd have something uh, like a vodka tonic with a little squeeze of lime or something like that, I think. Uh, He would stay away from anything that would stain the teeth like red wine. So he would definitely do that. And that was your, that was kind of the big, was that the big break? Was that the big role for you? The first kind of big one? Ah, well, I suppose, um, you know, I, it, I, I was a recurring character on that show. And I was very proud of it and very excited to be among those those 
exceedingly talented and funny people to, and learn from them. Um, uh, yeah, was, uh, everything was a break for me. I just, I think my way I approached it was to not have great expectations, have hopes and have dreams and keep working, but no attachment to some kind of outcome uh, that, that whenever anything came my way, I was really grateful. Um, and that's the way I've, I've done it. I, I don't read my own reviews. I, I don't listen to when, oh, like I was just nominated for a Golden Globe, but I, I, I didn't even know they were announcing it that morning. I just don't want to pay too much attention to that because it puts your head in the wrong space for me. I just want to do the work. Uh, whether it's a movie, whether it's Dos Hombres, uh, I, I, I just want to put in the hours, um, talk about it and and promote and because I'm proud of it. I remember watching Malcolm in the Middle and then the first time I saw Breaking Bad it was such a departure. You know, I mean it was this is I can't even believe it's the same guy. You mentioned the feeling you got when Aaron and you both tasted that mezcal, Gregorio's mezcal and you went, "Shit, that's it," right? Yeah. Do you know with a role like Walter, I mean cuz we're talking about one of the most iconic television roles of all time, right? I, I you know and do you know in the beginning, do you have any inkling that this is could be what it turned out to be? None. None whatsoever. Uh, there's there's just no way. The, the only thing that, and I tell young actors this all the time, as you go along with your career, the only thing you can do is to get very adroit at being able to identify well-written material. If you can master that, identifying really well-written material and attach yourself or try to get connected with that material. That's your saving grace. Every actor knows that for performance art, it's all about the writing. What is on the page that inspires us to then bring it to life. And that's Vince Gilligan for Breaking Bad. That's Linwood Boomer for Malcolm in the Middle. That That's Larry David and Jerry Seinfeld for Seinfeld. That's being around them. And it, it, let me give you an, another example. It's like I, I did a one-day job on a movie that I loved, and I went after it, and I wanted to be in it. But there really wasn't a part for me. Um, but I wanted to be in it. And because I was so moved by the script, and that movie was called Little Miss Sunshine. And that was many years ago, but it's such a beautiful little movie and, and such hope and such heart and fun and funny. And everybody then said to me, oh my God, you were so great. You were so great in that movie. And I realized I I wasn't great because the, I was a one day role. I It was just a slice of pie. I was just doing my job, but, and, and it, but it made me think, oh, because they love the movie, a high tide raises all boats. So everybody connected with that movie, no matter how big or small your role was, you were great. So it's like, that's what we take in with Dos Hombres. It's like, we want to make everybody in and around that feel great and feel like they're, they're part of something that's exciting. That was, now we'll get, that brings me to the next, well, first of all, the final guy I was going to ask you was Walter White, but do you remember what Walter's drink was? You have to remember, right? Uh, he was bourbon. I, he was like whistle pig. Or wasn't it dimple pinch? 
Dimple pinch. Dimple pinch, which is a blended scotch. Blended Not scotch. a lot of people know. Right. To, now, and I had to look that up. I was looking. I was like, God, yeah, man, me too. I don't remember. I don't. I'd heard of dimple pinch, but I don't think I've ever had it. You know, it's you know, it's a very obscure blended scotch. It, it is, and it was something that uh, our again Vince Gilligan loved, and he loves bourbon too, and so he. Uh, that's why, because he loves bourbon so much. I was thinking, and this has been, it's been over seven years since we shot Breaking Bad. Uh, so I've forgotten that all that stuff that starts to slip away. And thanks for the reminder. But I'm thinking, it was it, it was Whistle Pig, Dimple Pinches, one of those funny <laughs> names. It's like, well, something like that. But yeah, that's that's what he drank. What's your, uh, what do you like to do cocktail wise with the uh, Dos Hombres? I like to uh, I um, I like to have um, the alcohol forward, uh, but I I also like a, a little bit of sweetness to it. It suits my palate, so I'll make I'll shake up some mango, uh, fresh mango juice uh, with some always fresh uh, lime juice, and maybe a little squeeze of agave syrup or something like that. I will replace um, my Dos Hombres in a, in a margarita, which gives it a nice little spice. It's so good. Um, and make my own. Again, it, it you know you know this, but I would encourage everybody listening, it really makes a difference to use fresh ingredients. Please don't use the, the, the plastic bottle of lime juice. Uh, it really does make a difference. Get a get a citrus squeezer. You'll you'll be happy that you did the the uh, and as fresh ingredients as possible with little slices of jalapeno that I put in the shaker and and do it up, man. That's great. I say it all the time on this show, Brian. It doesn't matter if you have the best finest spirit in the world. If you put shitty you put shitty mixers in there, you're gonna have a shitty cocktail. Doesn't matter how. Yeah how good the product is. This is great product. I am, what I'm actually looking forward to trying this. I, I have the fever tree, uh, grapefruit soda. I think this with the grapefruit soda is going to be really delicious. Well, you know, that's a, what a Paloma and it really, really is tasty. Wait till you taste this. And and you can do either, you could do like a sugar rim if you want to offset the the sourness of the grapefruit. You know, the thing the thing about it is this is art. And I've always said in my work, when I work on Broadway and an audience is, you know, in one performance, they're not reacting well. And, and you know, someone in the cast might say, I don't know, they're really dead today or something. I go, well, an audience is never wrong. So it, I don't know if it's them or if it's us. Maybe we're not we're not on our toes today. Let's, let's bring them the story. Let's bring it out in them. And, and that's the same thing in cocktails that however you like it, you are correct. Don't let anybody tell you that what you like to drink is, is silly or whatever. It's right for you. Good for you. Um, and to experiment, whether it's, uh, those hombres or some other, a dimple pinch or whistle pig or whatever you want to sample, um, you know, get, get out of your comfort zone a little bit and try something that you haven't tried. And and that's where bartenders come in. God, these and I and I feel for them so much in these days now where, where there's so much 
closures and and it's so hard for them. well that and there's so much and there's a lot i, I was just uh, messaging with a friend of mine today who has a place down here called hatchet hall i don't know if you've ever been to hatchet hall down in venice and a no. big cocktail bar they got the old man bar in there and he's he owns it and it is rough and, and i'm torn because i i want like everybody else to contain what's going on but then i also feel like it's a little bit crazy to me that malls are open Things like this are open, but then these bars, especially out here where you can do the, uh, they're not allowed. Now they are, they just reopen, but it's, it's crushing to see people. I know so many people in this business that have worked their entire lives to build something for themselves. And it, you know, is it going to hang on? Are they going to, I just heard the daily pint in Santa Monica's closing, which is like an iconic one of the greatest yeah. whiskey collections in in the United States, not just in L.A. The Daily Pint in, in, on Pico in Santa Monica, and I just uh, heard from a friend today that they're they're not coming back, and it's uh, it's devastating. But I, I also feel like there's light at the end of the tunnel, and uh, we're all just going to have to get out there and bust our ass and try to get spend your money <laughs> and yeah. try to get these places going again. But I was I was thinking of yeah, and and that reminds me of the of the bartenders who really are the the gatekeepers to really phenomenal cocktails so i'd encourage your your listeners to next time to, to when you go to a bar really ask instead of just ordering what you always drink ask the bartender anything that you're that you're mixing up lately that you're really excited about and and these mixologists are, are artisans and, and they just do, a, a, I, I go in there and I'll say, you make me what you would want to drink. And, and then I just, you know, you, you literally break the ice with them and you have a cocktail of a sip and, you know, it's not, I, I love my mezcal, but it's not that you, it's like, oh, you can only drink mezcal around me. It's like, it's, no, you it's can do other. I mean, I, yeah. I, I'll tell you, Brian, I don't know about you, but I, I think I might actually cry. <laughs> the first time I get to go back in a book, all these things that we took for granted for so long, you know, like the, oh. I can't wait for the day that I can hunker down at a bar and someone's sitting next to me, a stranger, you can strike and you can order a drink and buy somebody. I, I, I can't, it's almost overwhelming to think about it. And it's only been a, yeah. not even a year, but man, it, it, it just, I'll never take that for granted again. I won't never take that experience of sitting down next to a stranger and, and having a chat and then finding out, you know, that maybe he dated your girlfriend at one time. And all of a sudden you get into an argument, then you get into a fist fight. You lose a tooth. <laughs> he loses an eye. I, we took that for granted. All those great experiences. It, it's great. I mean, right before this happened, I was in New York City and I was meeting a friend and I was having a drink down in Soho. And the guy sitting next to me, I look, I say, boy, he looks familiar. And it was Preet Bahara, the, uh, the, US, Attor- the uh, U.S. attorney from Southern District of New York who yeah. ran afoul, go figure, ran afoul of Donald Trump and got fired. And I just turned to him and I says, hey, hey, man, I'm a, I'm a fan, man. I, I love what you're doing. I love what you stand for. And Did it turn into a bar fight? <laughs> no, <laughs> I kicked the shit out of Preet Bahar at the end. Yeah, well, I found that he, yeah. he slept with my girl. He did. He did. Yeah. Who, who, who hasn't Preet yeah. Bahar slept with? Well, listen, Brian Cranston, I am, I got to tell, this has been, this has been a real thrill having you on. I've been a fan for a long time and you've brought me a lot of enjoyment 
through your work, through your acting work, and now the Mezcal. I, I really love it. I encourage everybody out there, Dos Hombres. Are, are you on the social media with the Dos Hombres? Oh, yeah. Yeah, doshombres.com. Yeah, we're, we're all over it. I'm going to post some videos, a little video from this thing. If you want to look, Brian, he's looking very handsome right now. Yeah, you are. Oh, yeah, oh. You're holding, it's treating you all right, this, this quarantine. Hey, you know, you make the best of it. And uh, at Dos Hombres uh, Instagram. At Dos Hombres. And uh, Brian, I, oh, and check out Brian's uh, show on Showtime, Your Honor. Yeah. Your Honor on Showtime. We, yeah, so we don't get into the showbiz too much here, but yeah, you, he's got, you got that show too. Uh, your, your Honor on Showtime. He plays a judge doing the best by his kid. It's a, I've only watched a couple episodes and I've loved them. It's great. Brian Cranston, thank you for being here on the show. I appreciate I appreciate it. Thank you, Dan. Before we go today, friends, I want to give you an update on my Peloton. I've talked about it before on the show. I ordered a Peloton back in November, and we are in mid-February now, and I've not received it. But I have been paying for it every month. <laughs> That's right. By the time this thing comes, I think I will have made about four or five payments on the bike. <laughs> but I did get an email the other day. They they finally threw me a bone. They said when the bike does arrive, which I they're telling me is going to be next week. We'll see. But when it does arrive, they're going to give me two free months of uh, the uh, the thing, you know, the classes online. We get two free months of that. That's what I get for waiting this long. I realize this is, an, uh, this is a uptown problem, a first world problem. I get it, but I'm just letting you know. So I haven't had the Peloton. So I, how I'm staying in shape, you know, I drink for a living. I do the show. I do juice cleanses. And th- by the way, I'm letting everybody know this is not an ad. I just, I'm just letting you know, I go with this thing called press juicery here in Venice, California. I do a three day juice cleanse. It really gets me straight. I get a lot of people that ask me that. Like, how do I, I like to drink. I like it, but how do I get straight? Do the juice cleanse. Take a couple of days off. I, I do three days. You can do two. It really helps me, clears me out, gets me going. Um, and then the other thing I've been doing, and I'm going to admit this. No, it, it's actually, I'm, I'm, you know, we all know about the uh, Alcopop trend. It's a trend. It's crazy now. You know, we're talking about White Claw and all that stuff. There's seltzers, alcoholic seltzers. I just tried one that I really love uh, called Basic Hard Seltzer. Again, not an ad. I'm just telling you because I dug it. Comes in four flavors: pomplamoose, cranberry, lemon, cucumber. Ninety calories, four and a half ABV, no added sugar, gluten free, one carb. I drank them during the uh, Super Bowl. I drank a bunch. I like the I, per, I like the cranberry and the lemon the best, but uh, it's good stuff. I. I <laughs> You can tell I'm struggling because I'm supposed to be this guy drinking, you know, 25 year old single malts, but I, I, I like them. I like them. Yeah, it's refreshing. You, know, you don't put on a lot of weight when you're drinking that stuff. So I'll stop now. But basic hard seltzer, check it out. With that, I want to thank you for joining us. And us, that's me and Brian Cranston. And of course, my thanks go out to him. Check out Dos Hombres. It's really, really good. Mescal, follow them on Instagram. Follow us at WWD underscore podcast. And my personal Instagram is at the Imbiber. I want you to join Stereo. Get that Stereo app. Follow me, Dan Dunn. Thursdays, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific has kind of been my time to go live on Stereo. You can comment. 
Tell me what you think of this Brian Cranston episode. I'd love to hear it. Till next week, or next episode, next week, I don't know how we do the next episode. Till then, peace. <laughs>